0: The the podcast two weeks ago, that was like our most successful podcast because I think we were talking about um, you know the kind of stuff that we hate at the trails. But what was funny is it was very um, polarizing.
1: Yes, I guess yeah. you
0: could say. Like some people were like, "I was just hearing you guys just you know bash people and just talk about <laughs> negative shit for like." I the love my hour.
2: headphones. <laughs> <laughs> I love my, my beatbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, some people were
0: like, oh, I play, I blast a Bluetooth speaker and F you. And I think we were just kind of busting balls, really. But yeah. um, so I thought this week it would be more fun to do the exact opposite topic. You know, what we, what we love at the Trails, things that really brighten our day when we see it. So today we have with us Randall, and what's funny is I met Randall, Brian, and Alex all at the same time. Brian and Alex had already known each other. We all met up in Moab. We stayed at Randall's house, and we all rode for that weekend. Like, the whole Moab trip, we were all together. So Randall's back. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to kick it off with the guy who stubbornly keeps a really old mountain bike running and i saw one just the other day at the trails he had like like an experimental cannondale like i'm talking like <laughs> <laughs> from that from that like 1997 1999 era where like they made full suspension frames and all sorts of weird like wishbone yes. shapes you know it had carbon wheels and he had switched <laughs> it over to like a one by with xtr like just every single upgrade you could possibly imagine every single thing was changed out on this thing and he must have spent enough to get like a carbon trail bike to keep this thing <laughs> running over the last like 20 years or whatever you don't do something like that for show you don't do yeah. something like that to have the latest and greatest stuff you do that because you love your bike
1: that is such a good one because we are all obsessed with the next thing and oh i'll get a new bike every year and i I agree with that hundred percent when I see somebody on an old school bike and it works. it still works. just get out and ride like that is the number one thing that matters
2: yeah I, I still keep one of those old bikes running, but perhaps it's because <laughs> I need to ride it more uh, it, it's a a, a 1998 uh, full suspension, like some old specialized uh, that that's exactly like that unfortunately it uh you know I, I haven't had to upgrade all the parts yet I, I need to take it out and, and beat it up a little bit more. <laughs>
0: What kind of parts have you changed on it?
2: At one point, the frame actually sheared uh, right, where this, right where the seat tube goes into the, one of those weird frames. Well, I let one of my friends weld the, the seat post back onto it. And so it was a fixed seat height uh, mountain bike that he <laughs> oh, could use man. for college. That's yeah. probably
0: the opposite of a dropper post, actually. <laughs> exactly. The exact opposite of a dropper post.
2: It's <laughs> pretty funny. cool, though.
0: Brian, are there any like crazy old Californian dudes at your local trails that you see all the time with old bikes?
2: Yeah, they'll have the the
1: the bull end handles and, you know, fingerless <laughs> okay. gloves and just kind of an older helmet and stuff. But it just doesn't matter. It just it's I love that stuff. It If you're out there, you're one of us.
0: For sure. For sure. So on the topic of upgrading old bikes, over the course of, let's say, 10 years, you have two options. You either keep your bike running for that 10 years and keep replacing parts and replacing parts, and as you know, replacing and upgrading parts in your bike does not necessarily increase its value. When, when that bike is on the used market, just like a car, you have put all sorts of upgrades on it. Nobody cares how much money you put into it. It's still an old bike. So, but you're keeping it running, and you can ride it. Or let's say every five years, you just sell that bike with the old parts and you take that money and you put it towards a new bike. So which one is going to be better for your money?
1: You know, uh, Jonathan Lee from the MTB podcast, he does this, but he does it every year. Like he does, he keeps his bike meticulous. He, I think he puts like an frame or, you know, some kind of frame guard on his bike and... He, he has it all worked out in a spreadsheet where he can get a good enough deal on parts. And, you know, I think he probably does have an inside deal. He is a Yeti ambassador and everything, but the way he runs it is just every year, get a new bike and just get it. If you can keep it cherry and you can get it on pink bike and sell it and take good pictures. And I think it is something where you can kind of break even and get your fun out of it and and move along. It, I, am not into it. I'm into getting a bike and running it into the ground, and that's what I was gonna do with my old Yeti SB66 until it got stolen, so now I've got my Bronson, and that's kind of the plan right now. Who knows, plans change, but I never see it as something I can make money off of. I I just
0: see it as something I bought, and I'm going to just, (laughs) I'm going to run it until it's done. I actually was the kind of person that would keep upgrading a bike and running it into the ground. But obviously now with the YouTube channel, I just I have access to bikes, so yeah. yes. it's different. And, it is. And, and I like it. Believe me, I like riding brand new bikes and stuff. But I was the kind of person that would just keep upgrading old bikes. And really, if, if you completely screw up your derailleur at, or your drivetrain gets all worn out and old, you're not going to get that much money for that bike on the used market in the first place. So you're basically scrapping the bike if you buy a new one. I would rather just upgrade that and have a bike that I love, that fits me, that I'm used to, and and ride it if that's the only thing wrong with it, rather than throwing away a bike that's potentially worth six, seven hundred bucks, you know, and getting an entire new one. So I think you can save money to a point if you keep upgrading your bike. If you have an old bike and the suspension fork goes. And you have to make the decision: Am I going to put a twelve hundred dollar suspension fork on it? That's that's tough. Well, and yeah. well, you can that, always ride
2: it rigid. You can always <laughs> ride it rigid. So so, so, so my policy is that uh, is that I have to earn uh, any sort of upgrade. And so, so yeah, some of this, you know, if your parts are wearing out, that means that you're really earning it. I I need to make sure that uh, that I'm like advancing my skills or that I'm really sort of using it because because there's always a temptation to get the new. Newest and greatest thing, and all of us love shopping and like buying stuff, like yes. especially if it's gear stuff. You know, getting that new Amazon package is just you know it. It's like Christmas, you know. And it, oh, it yeah. only takes a day or two. To get I don't even there, remember so. what
0: I ordered anymore when the box
2: comes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just comes and it's like you know Christmas in July every day. It, it doesn't. It's not so much about the cost. It's much more about like recognizing that I've earned that, and and that's how I like keep myself motivated. So. It, it, it's always cheaper for me to keep the crap of your bike. You know, if your suspension fork breaks, you can always go find some beater fork uh, that you can put a lot of time and effort into into putting on the bike. But I think it makes sense to think about, you know, how much did did you earn it, and, and if you yep. earned it, uh, then uh, then by all means, like you know, go for that that upgraded bike, and because you're really get you you know you're at the level where you're gonna make the most of it.
0: I think you brought up something that. That i didn't really clarify is there's a difference between just oh man this bike's kind of holding me back let me get better wheels Ah, uh, it would be better if i had a better suspension fork let me upgrade the suspension fork doing that is clearly more expensive but if you actually wore the part out that is economical
2: i i think in that case it's kind of a no-brainer to just go get the new bike you you yeah. earned it, man. Just just go get that. Uh, I guess if it you depends on it. the
0: part, like a a set of handlebars or something. Like you snap your yeah, handlebars, yeah. don't get a new bike. <laughs> 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 so Brian, what uh, what's your thing that you like on the trails? My
1: one of my favorite things is to see the normal guy or gal, like on their first ride, where you could tell their clothes are a little too normal. They're super out of breath. They're like dying on the trail. They've got like probably a hand-me-down bike. But like the like the guy you talked about, Seth, they're out there. They're just out there riding. It's like we were all there that first time on the trail, just getting our ass handed to us and too hot, too cold, not you know, don't have your camel back right. Just everything doesn't fit right. And you're just out there and you're doing it for that first time. And that is like where the seed is planted of either you hate this and you're never going to do it again, or you keep going. And I just love seeing that, uh, that
0: person in that struggle and like where we all started. It's great. I saw this woman the other day. I don't know if it was her first time actually, but she was on like a hybrid bike, like the yeah. kind of bike with a suspension seat post. With the big fat suspension seat post and the slope back frame and the little tiny shocks in the front and the handlebars like this. And she was blasting through the fire roads and the green trails. And you can tell she was like getting her fitness on, but really exhausting the capabilities of this bike. I mean, the tires (laughs) are just not right. It's bouncing everywhere. And I'm thinking like, it's only a matter of time before she goes and invests in a mountain bike. Yeah, You know? So she couldn't have been too deep into it at that point because she would have broken something already, the way she was (laughs) riding. She was going fast. (laughs) Just catching the bug. Yeah, it it had to have been her her second or third ride or something because something's going to break on this thing. Yeah, But she's having fun. So, you know, it was was, uh, pretty delightful to observe. Yes. You guys are both in Northern California, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Are there there a lot of, like... um, kind of touristy areas where people rent bikes, where you do have an opportunity to see a lot of people that are on their first ride, maybe? Not for mountains so much. Like, definitely for for road. Like, you
1: know, you'll see the Golden Gate uh, Bridge. Like, there's these certain bikes that have these little fanny pack on the front handlebars, and people rent them, like, down uh, kind of... Down, you know, a little bit down from the gold. Yeah, exactly. Down by the wharf, and then they ride up to the Golden Gate Bridge, and you can see like how how out of sorts they can be, or just like totally (laughs) digging it. But yeah, not for mountain biking. It's more, there's, it's a little bit too far out where it's like a first time beginner, out of their element kind of thing. But
2: but frankly, biking around San Francisco, the actual city, uh, it's pretty much mountain biking. It's just paved uh, (laughs) because it's so crazy steep. Like like getting from down where the, the uh, you know, where the wharf is all the way up to the, the top, you know, to the bridge, uh, that's like, you know, several, I think it's like 400 feet of climbing uh, yeah. and it's a steep hill because there's no snow here. And so they don't think about building roads that, you know, when, you know, when I, when I lived yeah. at, you know, back in Utah, uh, you know, they don't build like, you know, 15% grade roads uh, in California you know, they're happy doing that because they don't have to worry about the, the traction in the winter. Yeah, I so, saw this
0: picture of a bus going off the top of a hill, and it was it was bottomed out <laughs> on one of the hills in San Francisco. It might have been San Francisco. Probably, they are that crazy they yeah. really are
1: that crazy it's like it's funny sometimes when you're not on the main street like uh you know sometimes i go to the city for go to a comedy club and you park a couple streets over off of the main beaten path and it's like holy moly this is
0: just this is
1: not safe whatsoever do you see a lot of
0: people walking their bikes out there because there are a lot of tourists and stuff. oh yeah
1: yeah definitely like or just or yeah walking and then if you have a bike you're actually better off because you can use the brakes to kind of like walk yeah (laughs) because otherwise you're just walking
0: down this hill like all weird and (laughs) slanted down those those rental bikes they usually have like a internal gear hub with like three speeds yeah Yeah. there's no granny here no not the (laughs) fanciest machines I forgot when it was, but it was a few months ago. I was at the Fat Tire Festival in Tampa, and there are some pretty good trails there. And the Fat Tire Festival is where they have tons of demo bikes. So I invited some of my relatives on my on my wife's side of the family over, my in-laws. So this is the first time they ever rode, like, really, really good bikes with the suspe- – you know, and they 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 ask you your weight, and they set up the suspension correctly, and they set mm-hmm. up the seat, and the guy hooks you all up and says, okay – go out on the trails and they had a blast and you know we went on kind of greens and blues and stuff like that and uh really wore them out and it was their first time actually being out on a mountain bike and going up and down hills and riding over rocks and stuff and they just loved it and it's it really is fun to see somebody enjoy that for the first time those big demo events are
1: really cool i'm actually going to go to outer bike at the end of the month in Moab. And I'm going to stay at uh, Randall's house, actually. He's going to let me uh, <laughs> crash there with my brother. And that is really where nice. I did it like five years ago in the fall version of Outer Bike. And uh, that's when the light bulb really turned on for me. Like me and my brother both had like okay bikes, but we rode bikes with dropper posts that were carbon. And it was just like, oh man, this is, <laughs> this is a whole different ball game. Like the wheels are spinning kind of thing. I can't go yeah. back to my Crappy bike after that. So, but yeah, if you guys don't know what outer bike is, it's it's really cool. It's like 200 bucks. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You get shuttles. You get demo bikes. There's all kinds of different demo companies that are there, from Yeti to uh, yeah, too many companies to even list. So oh yeah. Check it out. It's it's down in Moab, and you get lunch every day. All kinds of cool stuff, and I think it's a great way if like you're just you're not sure or you just want to go ride some cool bikes. For two hundred bucks, get down to Moab. It's it's awesome.
0: So go for yeah. the uh, go for the demo bike. Stay for the free lunch. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
2: Is there any way that uh, subscribers could could find out where they can go to the, the local demo bike uh, uh, experience? Like how local are these? How common are these? Do you guys know? I think
1: the best bet is to like find a company that you're kind of into. Like, okay, I'm digging Yeti bikes. So you go to the Yeti page. And then they'll, they'll usually have like a schedule of demo events. And then from there, be like, oh, what is the Sea Otter Classic? And you kind of Google that. Or what is this? And you can see where their tour goes. And then usually if they're on a tour, maybe
0: some other bike companies will be at bigger events together. If you're on the fence about really taking mountain biking seriously and put, putting down some money on a bike and you don't know whether it's for you yet, go to one of those events and take out some crazy bikes. And Definitely. see if it really makes a difference. If it, if you say, Definitely. "Ah, this isn't really big difference," then why spend the money? You know. Yeah,
1: it, it's like uh,
0: you're driving your
1: crappy 1987 Ford Escort, and then you go <laughs> to like a racetrack and drive a Ferrari, and you're like, yeah, I, I think I like Ferraris. I think they feel pretty <laughs> good. I think I would like
2: to get into this.
0: This car feels <laughs> great.
2: <laughs> the, the other option would be to just you know rent a bike for fifty bucks and. You know, then to, just to you know get a sense for uh, for how nice it is, uh, and and you could take it out for a whole day and and you know really put it through its uh, uh, you know through the challenges. So yeah. So so Randall, what's the
0: thing that you like on the trails?
2: You know, if I had to if I had to narrow it down to one thing, it would be the the, the huge feeling of satisfaction that I have at the very end of a ride where I can then go and eat whatever I want. So, so like, you know, you know, when you guys were in, the uh, in Arkansas, I wish Alex is here because, you know, he was the one who ate that, uh, like crazy burger. Like what it was that thing It was like two grilled cheese sandwiches on top of each other. And, yeah, uh, it
0: was, yeah, but, it was like, like the grilled cheese sandwiches were the bread. Yes. <laughs> and the burger was inside of a gr- two grilled cheese sandwiches.
2: Yeah. so like you know if you know you've gone for a 20 mile ride you, you've burned like a good thousand calories like you've really you really put in the time and so again kind of like with you know upgrading your bike uh, I feel the same way with the food um, you know if I've earned it then you know I've earned it you know maybe it's not so good on my arteries but uh, <laughs> you know that hey, it it it's is what it is man it's motivation so, uh, so gluttony so, yeah so so you know definitely the food and the thing is is it's not so much just about being able to eat whatever you want but at the very end of the ride it just tastes so good because you're you're hungry uh,
0: moab has some pretty good food we we yeah. were just feasting i
2: mean it's yeah not, there's
0: there's not a lot of like you know fancy food but that's not what you're in the mood for at the end of a
2: ride no. you know yeah there's like uh p- pizza buffets there was the Chinese buffet, which Chinese uh, buffet,
0: you know, oh yeah,
2: we all loved that. <laughs> Except oh, yeah. maybe Seth didn't quite love it. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: had we had a good time at the Chinese buffet though, and that diner, the Mo, is that was that just called the Moab Diner?
2: Yeah, the Moab Diner, and then there's uh, then there is Milt is the yep. that yeah. that was the burger place that we uh, went to at the very end. I saw so. that in
0: one of Nate's videos too. So at the end of a ride, when you go to get food. There's ratings that you can give food, what I would call mountain bike food places, right? And there's a whole bunch of criteria that you should consider. So obviously one of them is the how good the food is and the price and stuff like that. Proximity to the trailhead. Mm-hmm. How easy it is to see your bike. Because some yeah, places but- you got to park your car around the back, leave the bikes in the rack. Some of the mm-hmm. places you can park it in the front, you see it out the window. Other places... You're sitting outside and your bike is right there you can roll right up to it they're all oh and whether the place is cool with you just walking in covered in mud so there's all these criteria that make a place like a good good mountain bike food what what kind of place do you guys have like favorite mountain bike food places in the trails that you visit the most oh yeah there's definitely a mexican food place that i
1: i go to all the time after i ride uh, rockville and fairfield this Place called Palayos that is awesome. Just how it's, does it rank it's, in it's no not, those not, categories? So not great because you can't see your bike. So you basically have to bring the lock. Um, very casual. So you go up to the counter and order, and then they bring you your food instead of having a waiter and all that, which I hate. So that's that's a huge bonus coming in there covered in mud and sweaty acceptable but probably not 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 the best <laughs> but the food off. is great so you know the 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 food is what
0: what what matters most cuz sometimes there'll be really good fo- food in close proximity but I'll choose a place based on the other criteria what's going to be yeah. the most convenient to go to with a bunch of sweaty mountain bikers and outdoor uh,
1: seating is with, always with the best if there's outdoor the seating yeah you can get away that's with what a was lot.
0: great about milt and i think a re- the reason why it's really popular in moab is no matter what you're doing whether it's climbing biking um you got a trailer with dirt bikes in it or whatever you know yeah. you can just pull up sit there you can see all your stuff
2: it really helps that it's right at the at the cross street for the slick rock trailhead like uh, yeah. And the whole the whole Sand Flats Recreation Area up there. So there's like jeeps and and, and motorbikes and and uh, road bikes that you know going up uh, doing the climbs and and then all the mountain bikers. It's uh, uh th- that's definitely it's huge selling point. And then it's also like greasy tasty food. You know, which yep. is a is a huge win. <laughs> you know what's funny, Randall, is a
0: lot of so you said the feeling that you get after you're done with your ride you can just eat anything you want and a lot of people would say well i like the feeling of accomplishment after i'm done with my ride or i like the feeling you know of uh of achievement or that i just exercised but it's funny because i have the same feeling like oh yeah now i get to go have tacos uh
2: when i when i first started uh, when i first moved out here to california um the the summers here are amazing it basically doesn't rain all summer long and uh, and so I, i was road biking to and from work and it was it was 21 miles each way. So I was doing like a real solid long commute. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I was uh, staying with a friend who lived at the top of, uh, uh, you know, basically the top of a mile and a half of climbing. Uh, it, the, the grade would peak out at 15%. Uh, it was just, it, it was an insane, uh, insane climb. But because I was doing so much biking, I could come home and I could eat an entire pint of ice cream. <laughs> and so, so we had the freezer stocked with you know several different types of ice cream, and I'd sit down and have a bowl, and then maybe have another bowl, and uh, and and it was just amazing. Like it was a, a like, just really really good food. I mean, certainly maybe that wasn't the healthiest phase of my life, but uh, but I was the I was the fittest phase of my life, and uh, and also uh, yeah, I was enjoying the, the 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 fruits of the of all that of all that hard work. So.
0: That's where my head's at too. I'm never going to be like Brian. I'm never going to be like a like a super lean, fit mountain biker. Whatever, man. That maybe that's how I can take the falls. I got a little <laughs> bit of padding. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what else? So, you know what else I really like on the trails are it's in the same category. It's a type of person that you see out there with a fully rigid and I see it all the time, like a rigid a rigid 29er single speed or something. And they're just out on trails that they shouldn't. I shouldn't say <laughs> they shouldn't be out there because if they're out there, then they should be out there. But I'm saying like I wouldn't want to take a rigid 29er on that trail. And they're out there killing it.
2: Well, they're just raising the difficulty level. Maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe what you don't realize is that they're just badass and, <laughs> and they're doing oh, no. great.
1: They'll let you know that they're a badass. That's how <laughs> that's like, how do you know uh, someone rides a single speed? They'll tell you within the fi- first five minutes of meeting them.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's it's right. True. They, they will tell. Them. And, that I still she... like,
0: and I still like them, <laughs> even though they're rubbing it in your face. I still like them because they've earned it. Yep, it yeah. is badass. It is badass to ride a single speed, and it is badass to ride a rigid. You know, that's that'll give you some bike control. Yeah and in momentum management because yeah, yeah I, want on a, I want a single speed you don't want to use the brakes unless you absolutely <laughs> have to because it's expensive to accelerate
1: <laughs> yeah i'd love to take an old rigid on the porcupine rim see how it goes because <laughs> that's what people were riding you know 20 years ago and 30 years ago It'd be so interesting
2: i would like to do that i'm pretty sure that they must have had shock absorbers on their wrists or something (laughs) like like you know today (laughs) we have rigid wrists and they had the shock absorbers
0: but your your shoulders are the shock absorbers when you're on a rigid you know and it's tiring and everything but the response is incredible Mm. (laughs) on a good rigid um especially these plus bikes you know if you have 2.8 or three inch tires on like a rigid frame especially like a carbon frame or something that does have good kind of shock absorption it can be really fun and surprisingly not as harsh as you would expect Mm -hmm. it to be
2: i think if alex were here he would say uh nature like he just (laughs) loves being out in the in the peaceful and i this is what i love Uh, so one of the reasons i really love desert mountain biking it, it, there's this particular trail uh, near near where I grew up in southern Utah, and uh, and every time I go out there now, uh, especially like in the winter, you know it, I can still ride out there because it doesn't rain that much, and so, and uh, but I get out there, and I stop, and it is completely silent.
0: It's insane, and, almost disorienting silence. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like you're in one of those crazy chambers where like you have an out of body experience, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, because, you know, no sound does bounce back, right? Like it just goes off. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, you know, like pausing for a moment and even just like, you know, in, in this, in, on this particular trail, you know, you look it down at the ground and there's that cryptobiotic soil and, and on this one ride, I, I looked down at it. It was it was in the winter, and it was so multicolored. There were like so many tiny little like pink and green and blue and purple flecks all throughout it. Like it was just uh, you know just sort of pausing for a moment and taking in that the, the experience uh, was 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 just it was amazing. And and I love doing that. And you know every trail has its own set of like sounds and and like smells and, and and just sort of feeling and that, that environment and, and just taking it in, whether it's whether you're taking it in fast or taking it in, you know, like taking a moment to, to pause. Uh, I, I think if Alex were here, I think he might agree with me on this, but. Yeah, uh, that's a
0: great one. I think he would. So Brian, you're like me, whenever you're out, you're working. You have yeah. to worry <laughs> about the gimbal, you're changing batteries, data management. You you have your mind on everything but soaking in the ride. Um, do you ever get the chance to really soak those things in? Are there things that you kind of get to enjoy on every ride? I can. It it, it does still happen. Like a couple of days ago in Sedona, I just went out
1: by myself. So if I'm by myself, I, I can still get that contact. I can still, you know, lose the, lose the, the work atmosphere for a little while and – do it. And like you guys were saying, the silent thing that happened in Sedona a couple days ago, I was like, Whoa, this is completely silent, like crazy silent. Even. Yeah. Even with the road isn't that far away. And I love it. I love the, the whole nature connection. It's something I love. And even you guys talking about this, I keep thinking of, uh, this trail called comfortably numb in Whistler, which is a, a trail where you just go out and just so alone. And that, that's, what's funny to me, even when you're hiking, like in Yosemite, you get out a couple miles it's so packed at the trailhead there's so many yeah. people it's just ridiculous any kind of you know popular trailhead mountain bike hiking but you get out a couple miles you get out there an hour you basically have it all to yourself you'll see people here and there but it's pretty a magnificent thing how getting out there just a
0: little bit further you've got it all to yourself especially we all live in major metropolitan oh, areas man. with insane population density so it's something that other people might even take for granted, just having like yeah. a little bit of pe- – like when I'm filming yeah. in my backyard, there's airplanes, there's <laughs> trains, there's sirens, and I have to go back out and kind of duck the levels down and insert the sounds from my yard so that it feels like my yard <laughs> – it, you know, in a best scenario, because Are you, it, you're it,
2: dubbing over the birds in your yard. I'm doing <laughs> you, you're that. You're bringing sometimes. them back. Yeah, the and, and it's
0: not. Uh. And I'm not using fake bird sounds, by the way. I'm actually recording that from my yard, but I have to do it because otherwise, you, you wouldn't be hearing cassettes and birds and back. You would be hearing trains and sirens and just – jackhammers. That's another reason why I'm moving into a house, maybe a little further away from the city, is because. Um, Yeah, it's it's just I can't get anything done here. It's so Noise pollution. And then the second the sound stops, then your neighbor's air conditioner kicks on (laughs) and then oh man, or there's some guy with a chainsaw or the landscapers. It's yeah, there's never peace and quiet here. There's never peace and quiet here. Yeah, it's crazy how in tune you get
1: to that when you become a videographer and it's like actually, this does not work whatsoever.
0: You will not be able to hear me. This is like the worst possible scenario. You know, what's oh. funny is some of, my, some of my videos, it was just a particularly quiet day or I was out super early in the morning, like on a Sunday, and and all the sounds are completely legit just coming from the camera. And then people in the comments accuse me of inserting bird sounds. <laughs> and then on the ones where I do, the ones where I do, they don't notice it. So yeah. <laughs> one one video, it could be real. And the other one, I just, I start editing it and I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is bad. Like, I'm glad that I went out before and because almost every morning I go out and like leave a GoPro in like 720p or whatever, and just let it record just, just in case I can capture something. Cause I'm always, I always want to keep the bird sounds fresh. When people yeah. started mentioning it, like, oh man, it sounds like a jungle out there. That's really what it sounds like when there's no cars and everything.
2: I mean, Um, it is the tropics,
0: so... Yeah, it's... (laughs) It's freaking tropical. Yeah, so I'm actually going... uh, I'm going up to Asheville tomorrow night, and I'm going to ride with some friends that rented a house up there. I'm probably going to meet up with Phil. Then, Phil and I are going to drive back down to Ocala, Florida to the Fat Tire (laughs) Festival, and there's going to be all sorts of stuff going on down there i mean clint gibbs is going to be down there alex is coming i don't know if he's going to ride i don't know if his shoulder is well enough yet orange bikes is going to be down there um nice yeah it's going to be fun and i already committed to doing this double that's big for me like back in my bmx (laughs) days i would have done it but i haven't done anything that big on a mountain bike yet phil's gonna coach me through it (laughs) (laughs) ah cool (laughs) yeah that'd be a good video so that's gonna be fun But uh, anyway, thanks for joining us today on the Huck, and uh, we'll see you next time. Let's get the Huck out of here. Let's get the Huck out of here. (laughs)